millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Welcome to the Julia Hartley Brewer coronavirus update. If you're in lockdown, just like me, don't worry. I've put together some of the best bits from my talk radio breakfast show into this daily podcast, so you won't miss any of the day's biggest coronavirus updates. Enjoy and stay safe. Online, on DAB, and on the Talk Radio app. Talk Radio. Well, let's talk about all of that now with the Care Minister, Helen Waitley, who joins us. Good morning to you, Helen. Good morning. Good morning. Um, your boss, the uh, Health Secretary, Matt Hancock, yesterday pointed out the R rate across the country now in every area is below one, uh, and that we've now seen the uh, lowest uh, death rate for a day in 11 weeks, uh, 55 deaths on Monday, each one a tragedy, but nevertheless the lowest we've seen in, uh, in, in 11 weeks. The virus is in retreat. If that is the case, how soon can we actually expect to get back to normal life? Uh, so, as, as you said, the Secretary of State said yesterday that coronavirus is in retreat and that the death numbers, in every death, every death is a tragedy, a life lost, but the death numbers are um, down, the infection rate is down, um, which is why you know, we are cautiously easing the lockdown measures. But I'd say we will do that with caution step by step because we don't want to see the infection rate going up. We don't want to see a second peak that might uh, put us back uh, and might uh, also uh, put the NHS under strain again. So we want to do this step by step. Except the step-by-step doesn't appear to be working. Trying to get people back out to work. I mean, some people are desperate to get back out to work and aren't being allowed to. The two-metre rule is holding an awful lot of workplaces and and, uh, schools and shops and pubs and restaurants back. Um, uh, And, uh, and of course, uh, lots of the parents are still very wary of sending uh, their children back to school. We heard today that even primary schools may not all be fully functioning again uh, before the summer and secondary schools may not be going back in full until next. January. Um, the government did a very good job of getting people into lockdown and scaring the living daylights out of us, quite rightly at the time, I believe. Um, but now you're having a bit more of a difficult job trying to get us back out of our homes. What do you, what do you think you have to do to persuade people to get back outside? Uh, but, I mean, it's clearly it's to strike a, a balance. And for instance, so we've given the guidance uh, for people to go back to work as long as you can socially distance at work. And you know, that is happening. Um, and schools have begun to go back. And we've seen uh, some pupils in reception and year one, for instance, going back and uh, teachers making huge steps to make sure that um, the infection risk is as low as possible in the in the school setting. So we, you know, we are seeing life um, going back a bit towards normal. But actually, you know, people quite rightly are being vigilant and careful. 
and recognising the importance of social distancing. It's so important so that we can keep going step by step in the right direction um, without the infection rate going up. And, you know, it really is that balance to be struck between um, life continuing uh, and getting back towards normal uh, without it happening in such a way that, that might increase the number of cases but and do infection rates. Do you think that people would be more convinced about coming back uh, to work and sending their kids to school and the like uh, if we did actually have the app that we were promised that would be in place by uh, mid-May, still hasn't uh, appeared after uh, the, being trialled on the Isle of Wight, and if we had uh, the antibody tests again, that you know, the government bought 10 million, uh, we, we heard weeks ago, um, we've seen tests carried out on NHS staff, but still not up to the full capacity they could be. Um, why, why are millions of us not being able to get antibody tests to discover that actually we're pretty safe to be out and about and that we can get back to normal life? Would you not think there are plenty of things the government could be doing, which it's not doing right now, to make us feel safer? Um, well, you, you talked about several things there about the um, importance of, of testing and test and, tra- tra- test and trace, and you mentioned the uh, the app and also the antibody testing. I mean, so 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 the NHS test and trace program is really important part of our return towards normal, um, and it is absolutely vital that people you know, if they have symptoms that they uh, report that they isolate and that they get tested. And you know, this is fundamental to making sure that we. Uh, keep infection rates under control. Uh, coming to the app, as you said, yes, that was trialled in the Isle of Wight and we want to bring it in. Um, but you know, first and foremost uh, is to do the, the sort of human-based um, test and trace system. Well, no, but that, no, but that, isn't what the, that isn't what Matt Hancock said. He said repeatedly we would have a world-beating world beating app. And in fact, the talk about having human traces was only brought in after, we, after everyone said uh, the app on its own isn't enough. What's been successful in places like South Korea and Germany has actually been the human traces. Then you started hiring human traces, but we were told they'd be working hand-in-hand with the app because, of course, I don't have the numbers of people who I might have stood next to in the supermarket for 10 minutes in a queue. So how could I possibly... Uh, be able to pass on that contact to a human tracer. That's what the app's for. We were told the app would be world-beating. It would be absolutely vital for us coming out of lockdown. We're told to come out of lockdown, and we haven't got the app. So you're absolutely right in something you said, which is that we learn from uh, overseas. You know, the, the pandemic is a, it's a new virus, and everyone has been learning, and, and, and we look and learn uh, from other countries as well. Uh, and say so a human tracing system is uh, essential, and that is what we have. But why have other countries got one, and we don't have one? Why? Do, why have other countries got an app? Why do? Why? I mean, why? Why don't we just borrow the one that the French or the Germans or the or the South Koreans are using, and just say, well, thanks very much? I mean, would they have they refused to lend us their app, or are we refusing to use their app? Why do we have to have our own app? Why can't we use one that already works to help keep our well, people safe? Each each country has its own uh, different circumstances, different systems, different data. You know, I I ask get questions about comparing data between one country and another, and the way it's collected is is, is different. So different countries have different systems. What we're determined to do is to take the right decisions at the right time for our country, for our population. Um, And that is exactly the approach we've been taking. And the the good news, as you said at the beginning, is that coronavirus is in retreat, that we've got the numbers of death down, the infection rate down, getting it under control in care homes, which I particularly 
um, have responsibility over. We've seen outbreaks are right down compared to the peak. People must continue to be vigilant and to social distance is so important. But, but, but with all due respect, you haven't tackled the issue. Why have other countries... Are we uniquely incompetent in this country? Is it the government's fault? Is it the tech's fault? Is it private public health? Whose fault is it that we don't have a working app to trace people when other countries do? We are a, you know, a sixth, was it fifth or sixth biggest economy in the world. Uh, why do we uniquely find it in- impossible to develop an app when other countries have managed one? But Whose every, fault is it? Every, it must be someone's every, fault. I mean, every, every, every country um, has their own challenges that they're facing and different systems, different technologies. I don't see what, that, I don't see what that's got to do with it. No, no, every country is dealing with a pandemic and every country's got a lot, population of millions and have got people with mobile phones. Why are we uniquely the only country that has not managed to come up with a workable app? So, every country is different, but the important thing is that we have a test and trace system up and running. We have the infection rate down below one. Um, and so we are able to have, have to, to ease some of the lockdown measures, able to have people go uh, uh, back to work more, more back towards normal life. Um, and we'll also have the flexibility um, where, as and when, if we do see local outbreaks, we'll be able to take particular local action to get those under control. Across the UK, online, on DAB, and on your smart speaker. Talk Radio. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Online. On DAB and on the Talk Radio app, Talk Radio. Right, now let's turn our attention to an issue which does actually affect all of us, and that is uh, the coronavirus uh, pandemic. Let's talk to Martin Green, OBE. He's the Chief Executive of Care England. Good morning to you, Martin. 
Good morning, Julia. Good morning. Uh, now, we were heard yesterday from the Health Secretary, uh, Matt Hancock, that the R rate is definitely still below one in all UK regions. There have been some concerns that it had risen above one in some regions. And he also insisted that uh, that the, the virus in care homes was coming under control and that families who were very wary of, of, of putting their or allowing their elderly relatives to go into a care home should be, uh, you know, should feel that it, it was safe. Um, do you agree with him? Uh, is the virus under control in care homes and are care homes safe for our elderly people? Well, the first thing to say is the virus is is getting under control in care homes. And what we're seeing is a great decline in the number of care homes that are registering the virus. And from the point of view of should people be happy to um, put their family members into care homes, I think they should because care homes have a great history of infection control. And also since this um, virus has taken hold, there's been a great deal of work done by care homes to make sure that everybody is as safe as possible. So I don't think people should be concerned about um, uh, admissions into care homes. Um, But I think we shouldn't be complacent either. This is a very serious virus and we must make sure that we guard against a second outbreak and a second spike in it. And we know there are lots of concerns about uh, elderly patients being discharged from hospital with the virus or untested into care homes and that led to spread. Although, I mean, two thirds of care homes haven't seen any uh, coronavirus outbreaks at all. So we know that most have been safe. Um, but, but there was a big concern about not just access to testing, but also access to the decent, you know, the right levels of PPE for the care home staff. Has that all been resolved now? Can anyone, can any care home get hold of a testing if they have any concerns? And can they get hold of all the PPE, all the protective equipment that they need? Well, I don't think it's been resolved. I think it's got much, much better in recent uh, weeks, but it certainly hasn't been resolved. And there are some uh, patchy uh, examples of um, of care homes not having the testing that they require. The other thing I should say about testing is this is not a one-time activity. If you're going to have testing that's going to be meaningful, we've got to have regular testing within care homes. Now, in Wales, they've suggested every week, and I think we should be looking to every week here, and we need to test not only the staff, but also residents of care homes to really ensure that we know who might be COVID-19 positive, and we can make sure that if there are outbreaks, we deal with them as effectively as possible. Um, yeah, I mean, that's, that is the big concern, isn't it? Now, we saw death figures, death um, rate, uh, it's the lowest in 11 weeks. Of course, we know that the figures on, on Mondays, uh, well, Sundays and Mondays, are always much lower because of weekend recording of deaths. 55 on Monday, uh, lower than that on Sunday. Uh, today's will be a key test to show whether or not the virus is, as the, the health secretary says, uh, in retreat. Um, but again, we've seen, like in London, only two infections over the whole weekend, infection rate 1,205 confirmed on Monday. We are are coming out of lockdown a bit haphazardly some may say schools not reopening properly still many businesses not allowed to reopen um and the two meter rule obviously big big issue there but but we are coming out of lockdown sooner on the curve than many other uh, countries and with a higher number of infections than other countries um are you concerned about that Well, I'm a bit concerned about that, and I think we should be ever vigilant and we should make sure that, for example, issues like social distancing are really in place. We should also remind ourselves constantly about hand washing and also the wearing of masks in public, particularly on public transport. And I think we shouldn't think to ourselves that just because the infection rate has come down significantly, we are through this. We must be very vigilant and we must make sure that we don't have a second spike. 
online, on DAB, and on the Talk Radio app. Talk Radio. Right now, let's talk about other effects of the coronavirus and, well, all we need to know about the coronavirus with my next guest, Dr. Michael Mosey. You'll know him from the TV. Uh, he's a doctor and a sort of dietary expert, author of many, many books, and he's the author of a new book, COVID-19, Everything You Need to Know About Coronavirus and the Race for the Vaccine. Good morning to you, Michael. Good morning, Julia. Hi. Good morning. Very well indeed. Well, you've presented shows you know, for Horizon on the BBC, and we talked to you a number of times about this. Um, a lot of people, despite the fact we've discussed this virus ad nauseum on the show three and a half hours every day it's 24 7 on virtually every radio tv station in the newspapers for months and months on end it is extraordinary how little we know about this virus all these many many months on isn't it that's kind of why i wanted to write the book because i started writing it back in february um, when it became obvious that this was a serious threat I have made a number of documentaries down the years looking at the threat of an emergent virus. So I was, if you like, ready for it. And I wanted to pull together, for my own satisfaction, if nothing else, all we currently know um, in terms of reliable information. So I've got a chapter there on uh, meeting the serial killer, what we know about the actual virus, and then how your immune system deals with it people are at risk, but also things you can do which will uh, bolster and protect your immune system so it's ready to take on the virus. Yeah, indeed. I mean, again, there's still a lot of debate about how the virus even started and when it started. Some talk that it may have been around in China you know, in the summer last year, certainly uh, later last year, than before we knew about the uh, the very first cases, when it first, well, it, we first knew about it in uh, at the very, very end, the last, I think it was 31st of December, wasn't it, 2019, uh, when China actually came clean on it. Still a debate about how it started. Was it in a wet market in Wuhan or was it actually, uh, did it escape uh, from uh, a, a laboratory there? So there's still a big lot of big gap in knowledge there there. is yeah and i do address that at the beginning of the book uh, because i don't think we're ever going to know the odds on ever you know the chinese um, allowing people in to study these things is remarkably unlikely i do not believe and no one i've spoken to believes it was you know engineered it's not a bioweapon if you like but it is conceivable that it was being studied in a lab and it escaped though that seems a bit unlikely because they've looked at some of the coronaviruses that were being studied um, and they are sort of close but not identical and indeed the one of the first people to warn the world of the danger of a bat virus with a woman uh, working who runs the Wuhan viral lab she's known in China as Batwoman because she is so passionate about bats and coronaviruses. And two years ago, she was warning the world that there were the risk of emergent viruses and we need to do something about it. And no one did anything about it. So I think she's on, on the, the side of good, if you like. So I'm yeah. inclined to believe her when she says it just couldn't have escaped from the lab. I think the likeliest thing is it was the product of two viruses meeting, one of whom uh, if you like, had the ability to infect humans and the other one which had the ability yes. to really kill humans and when they got and, together. And to a certain extent, now it's out. Does, yes, it doesn't make any matter. difference to us. Now, the first official death was on January the 9th, uh, a man, an old man in Wuhan. Today, we, you know, we are six months on. We have seen you know, tens and tens of thousands of deaths. Uh, millions and millions of people's lives changed irrevocably uh, by this. Um, how close are we to, uh, you, specifically in your, in your headline, to a vaccine because there have been so many high hopes especially from Oxford University, AstraZeneca backing them, doing human trials and like how close are we to finding a vaccine that works and then, another key point, getting it out to the many billions of people on the planet who need it? 
I'm actually pretty confident about it now. I wasn't confident when I started writing, but the speed and the amount of money thrown at it has been phenomenal. There are leading, five leading contenders around the world, two in America, two in China, and one in the UK, and that's the Oxford vaccine. I think the Oxford vaccine is probably head of the field. They had the advantage that they already had a vaccine for treating a related coronavirus called MERS, which had gone through clinical trials. So they were able to switch really fast. Um, they've got a big study going on at the moment in 1,000 people. They're looking to do a bigger one, 10,000. I volunteered for it because they're looking for older people now. And they are talking, and AstraZeneca are talking about producing, you know, tens of millions of vaccines in September and possibly billions by January. So that's September this year, which is phenomenal. Uh, they, it has to work, obviously, and they're waiting for the results of that, but they expect the results of the studies to come through within the next few weeks. And there's and, been a big... Uh, you know, it's phenomenal, really phenomenal. Yeah. There is good yeah. news in that this uh, virus is very stable. It doesn't appear to be mutating, which means... Well, it, well, well, well indeed, but also one of the reasons this happened is because once you put the money behind this and also you take away a lot of the uh, very sort of tiresome sort of regulations which make these things go much lower than they need to, then, then you know, mm. let, let the experts, let the scientists do their work. Um, there's also talk also about antibodies. Now, uh, you know, finding the antigen test that people can go and get now, find out whether or not they've got the virus, is, is I mean, it's useful for those who, who are unwell, but for the most of us who aren't, or people like me who pretty sure they've had the virus a number of months ago we're looking for the antibody test and we understand the government and i put this to a government minister earlier they bought 10 million of them uh, some weeks ago we've had um almost a couple of hundred thousand carried out on nhs staff but we haven't got you know got anywhere close to the you know anybody who's wants to have a have you know thinks they've had the virus to actually be able to test themselves um what is the evidence the latest evidence on on antibodies because th there was a real hope that you know we'd end up with this herd immunity vast majority of us would have come into contact we may not have even had any symptoms or we've had mild symptoms like i did you have the antibodies you're safe and we can all get back to work normally and we're not going to risk passing it to our elderly relatives etc etc but that seems to have sort of gone off the boil lately what's happened there not so much i mean i think and um, people are pretty confident now that if you get uh, the infection and you develop um, an antibody response then you are immune at least for a year or two we know from SARS that um, the people who got it they were still producing antibodies up to 20 years later and they actually did an extraordinary experiment uh, this was back in the 1990s uh, in the common cold unit down in Salisbury uh, where they used a coronavirus one that caused a common cold and they squirted up people's noses and they got a cold and then they developed antibodies and then they came back a year later and they reinfected them and none of them got a cold. So they were clearly being protected. So I'm pretty confident. The other thing is there's another side to your immune system, uh, which is called the T cells, the T killer cells. And these seem to be particularly important uh, in combating COVID-19. So uh, there is um, pretty good evidence that that side of the immune system gets picked up, bolstered. Uh, and uh, even if you're not detecting the antibodies it could be your t-cells protecting you plus there is cross immunity so all the evidence at the moment points towards the fact that a lot more of us are probably immune than was originally thought and therefore uh, all the signs i'm seeing at the moment are good the okay. uh, vaccines on the way the levels of resistance to the virus are high in the community that only a small number of people are actually going to get seriously ill and that's another side of the, the book i address which is the importance of losing weight Good night's sleep. Sleep is really important for your immune system um, and other things you can do to get your immune system in good shape because we know 
that if you are 70, 80, uh, then you are at least 60 or 70 times more likely uh, to get serious complications than if you're 30 or 40. Absolutely. Thank you. The risks are almost infinitesimally low. There's something like one in three million. Across the UK, online, on DAB, and on your smart speaker, Talk Radio. Thanks for listening to today's Julia Hartley Brewer coronavirus update. Please don't forget to like, comment, and most importantly, subscribe. And you can catch me live on the Talk Radio Breakfast Show every weekday from 6.30 till 10. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.